0: Jesse, a.k.a. The Bizzle. Oh, The Bizzle, thank you. (laughs) The Bizzle? Thank you, The Bizzle. Yeah. The Bizzle. All right, BizzleCast listeners. Welcome to a, a special and emotional BizzleCast podcast. Here at the end of all things, to make one of many Lord of the Rings references that will happen in this podcast, because it is the end of Star Wars Rebels, after four seasons a animated series that has mostly been great and at worst been good and entertaining and ended with a bang. I am here with none other than Jedi geek girl herself. Jedi geek girl, as you know, I've been very emotional the last few hours having just caught up on the final episodes, way more emotional than I thought more emotional than any new star Wars moment since the very end of rogue one, the first time and the second time and the third and the fourth time I saw it. Um, I'm going to try and control myself. I, I, it's not that crying. I am ashamed of crying because I've talked about it on the podcast. But I want to be coherent, but I might lean on you a little bit. So welcome to the podcast. I'm really happy you're here to talk about, at least briefly for now, and we'll talk more about uh, down the road, the end of Star Wars Rebels and what it means. Welcome.
1: Thank you so much, Biddle, for having me back on. I am so excited to be talking about this, and I have had a day to process it, so I'm a little bit more together with my emotions, but wow, what a ride, and I did not want it to, I I was ready for it to end about two hours before, and then as the show was getting closer and closer to airing, I was like, I'm not ready. I, I, I'm not ready to say bye. And then it started. And wow, what a ride, especially the conclusion.
0: Yeah, my my experience was similar, actually, which was that I knew I was going to be a day or two behind. It turned out I was just a day behind. It's the end of, uh, let's see, Tuesday, March 6th, going into Wednesday, March 7th, which w- w- when the podcast will actually come out during the day on the 7th, it aired last night. In basically a one and a half hour movie, uh, essentially, um, uh, the, the end of Star Wars Rebels season four and for the series. But I was in a similar mindset of like, I, I kind of felt like it was going to be a predictable end. And so I wanted to just get through it and then have a podcast with you. And to be honest, until the last 15 minutes, it was a pretty predictable, if great end. And then, spoiler alert, sorry, guys, I'm putting the spoiler alert now. If you have not seen this entire season of Rebels, but especially the last like three to five episodes, three, four episodes, please watch them and come back. When the space whales showed up... I fucking lost it and started crying in my kitchen on my iPad. That's exactly what happened.
1: That is freaking amazing. I For for me, my, my emotional moment was Ezra holding Thrawn just about before they were going to hyperspace.
0: Oh, I was and, already a mess at that point. I was completely wrecked.
1: And then after they jumped to hyperspace, the look on his and everybody's face, it, it, it really hit me. But my my powerful moment where it really hit me you know what moment it was yes it it, it was there I I let out a loud I let out a loud gas and I was trying to keep it quiet because my roommate was sleeping but oh oh my god it, it was it was so exciting and I did not see it coming you would think that it was kind of predictable but I did not see it so when she was revealed it was wow
0: so, you know, in recent podcasts, or basically since the Last Jedi came out and there's been this hate campaign, John Boyega responded to it great today during his official Pacific Rim interviews, calling out the I- idiots and the haters behind The Last Jedi, whatever. I-, I have been less restrained than normal in calling people out, dropping F bombs. I realized, you know, my parents aren't always thrilled with it, but they understand. And you know, I, I'm just emotional, and I'm protective, and I, I get upset at ignorant pieces of shit out there. Um, see, oh, see, I'm improving. I didn't drop an F bomb there, but um, during this, <laughs> girl, I was dropping the F bomb in the opposite way at like Dave Filoni and everybody because I was so emotional. I wasn't prepared to be. I was just like. Fuck you! Fuck you guys! (laughs) Like, I was just like, no, 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 stop making me cry like this. I wasn't expecting to. I really lost it at the end. And spoiler alert Ahsoka, we see older, very much older Ahsoka at the very end. whatever we'll get back to all that you know but we get to see the characters through not just the end of the series but through the end of the original trilogy and somewhere in between the original trilogy and the new trilogy so yeah but I was just like I I was cursing them in a completely ironic way for just making me feel so many things that I have felt over the seasons and I've watched the Rebels episode so many times over the years the first Mm -hmm. three seasons in particular Um, But I did feel like they stepped it up at the very end. It's almost like it was like the bottom of the ninth, game seven of a World Series, you know, and you're just like, I think my team can come back, but I'm not sure. And then they start doing it and you just start crying and celebrating because you want it so badly for yourself and, and, and mostly for them. I'm just, I'm so happy for them and everyone who's put their, their love and their heart and their soul and everything in this show, people who have more lucrative jobs acting on television as themselves, but still consider this like one of the most important, if not the most important gigs that they have uh, is, it, it's just an amazing, an amazing feeling. And, I'm just happy that something in our cynical freaking world like this can exist. Just makes me happy.
1: I have three things that I would like to say. Number one, you are not the only person that I have heard said that there was a lot of people who, you know, the typical thing of Don you for making me feel emotions in a joking matter. I hear that a lot in the community, which is good that this series finale hit that emotional note And hearing that from the fandom, even though some of them might not have been thrilled about how it ended, it was nice that it still touched them in that emotional manner because it was deserving of the emotions given by the fan base. And at that moment, I was emotional. But at that post-Return of the Jedi moment, I was in awe. I was stunned. I was crying. I was trying to take it in because it, it, it's a lot it's like okay Zeb and Callis goes back to the unknown region you have Sabine and you have Ahoka showing up you have Jaden Jaden yeah, Sedula and that moment's right there I'm like when did they have opportunity when did they have the time to have sex but anyways it was <laughs> yeah I, I'm not joking i'm not joking i saw that and i'm like wait a minute that
0: was my first thought that was my first thought when i saw that too i'm just so happy you said it (laughs) sorry
1: but but uh anyways (sighs) okay i
0: needed that i'm good i'm good
1: and um i totally forgot my third train of thought that oh um (laughs) but my third thing is is the way that i felt after the series finale. Oh, they had you know, time.
0: They had lots of time. Sorry.
1: <laughs> the, the the way. Well, i I figured that they had it before here went to Yavin. But anyways, when the sh- episode ended, I felt the same way I felt after seeing the Return of the Jedi. Not Return. the Last Jedi. Except I was a lot more confident in my feelings. I had to have time to process. It was an hour or two just sitting, thinking, yeah, me watching, too. and reading stuff online yep. to take it all in. And yep. I've been soaking in many podcasts, talking about it all day. So yeah, it, yeah. it, it it's amazing. So I,
0: I, You know, I was... Um and our last podcast, which was great, and I'm, I'm thrilled I was able to get that out like almost immediately after sitting on episode zero, which will come out eventually, once I get my computer piece back together. But our last episode was such a great discussion, and we talked about how, or I talked about how, and I've been talking a lot about how, what I love about these Star Wars directors, whether it's fucking Dave Filoni, or J.J. J. Abrams, or Ryan Johnson, or whoever, is that these major plot points are pretty predictable, right? Kylo killing Han was pretty predictable, if you think about it, right? And, you know, and uh, Kylo taking down Snoke was kind of predictable. They, they telegraphed it to us in the trailers and elsewhere, but a sign of brilliant writing and directing is when you execute that, but the way it happens is not how you're expecting, and it makes you feel things that you're not expecting to feel. And, yeah, I would compare this mostly to the throne room scene and the extended throne room scene In The Last Jedi in terms of really feeling confident that something like what happened between Kyle Snoke and Rey was going to happen and yet being so affected by that scene and uh, sort of like the Wonder Woman No Man's Land scene you know when she jumps out of the trenches in World War One and like finally becomes Wonder Woman is just amazing the Kylo Ray scene I could just watch or, or scenes I could watch over and over and over again just like the Emperor Luke and Vader in Return of the Jedi which is my still my favorite Star Wars scenes ever and there was a lot a, a reverberations of in this a series of episodes obviously but don't do you think this this kind of follows our theme of star wars being like yeah you're gonna guess the plot and guess what we're still gonna make you feel emotional and amazing anyways
1: i think with what lucasfilm has been doing recently that they have certainly been hitting that i mean under george lucas you had your emotional moments, sure. But it seems like there wasn't as many of them as there are now. It seems like under Lucas, it that they were few and far between. But then again, I didn't consume a lot of media. I, I would like to say, though, that it's one of the great things about animation is that it can surprise us a lot more than live action because it seems like there are less cooks in the kitchen, if you will. I don't know if you saw the panel that was held after the sorry, that's my cat. I apologize. Yeah. After the series finale was shown to a select group of people but the whole crew. No, i
0: ignored everything i i was like i was avoiding twitter i was i was temporarily blocking temporarily blocking people on Facebook like i've been in complete blackout for this final episode, so I know that there was a gathering of Filoni, or the cast at least and you know and uh amy um uh, yeah was there and i yep. i'm really ex- i'm really pumped to hear the full of sith podcast like more than ever i am so pumped to hear the full of sith podcast about this
1: but anyways they did not know what was going to happen like uh, vanessa marshall didn't know that she had a child the only one that really knew kinda was the voice of sabine because she had to record the epilogue
0: which was showed by the way number one flaw was that the one thing I did know going into this was that they hid it from the actors, which means they recorded separately, which is something they didn't normally do. And I think in this case, the risk of one of the leads giving it away would have been worth having them all in the studio at the same time. Only flaw, honestly, of this entire thing. I'm just getting it out right away. It didn't feel as live and spontaneous as other sessions. Only flaw.
1: I i disagree. I like that. Okay. Especially... especially when you consider how far she came, the actress, when she first came on to Rebels, I think she knew a little bit about Star Wars, and there was a lot of criticism in the fan community. Not not from me, but from the larger cynical fan community. And she has really picked up the flag. For the idiots, as we
0: call them. Yeah.
1: Yeah. She has really picked up the flag, and really, I, I think of all the people in Rebels, I think this is probably the biggest... She's the one that benefited the most professionally, in my opinion. I'm sorry, who? Uh the, the voice of Sabine. Tia Sirkar. Yes.
0: Who's already the most high profile of any of them because she's on a good place? Uh, with with Kristen Bell who's one of the funniest humans on the planet um, and Ted Danson who's one of the funniest humans on the planet and one of the most acclaimed shows on the planet even though she's a semi-supporting character playing a completely different version of herself than Sabine and her voice performance like Ahsoka like Hera, like Kanan, like everybody they pulled back on and made more terse and more serious in the final episodes in the final season, and and I loved Tearsarkar. I have a huge crush on... I have a thing for for female voice actors. I don't know what it is. I, I'm an audio person. I love the sound of people's voices. I love great singers, men and women from around the world. I was in the music industry. I love great voices. And so I was like in love with Sabine's voice before I even knew who she was. And she's such a darling person, like everybody who works on this show. And again, I, I, I'm not going to keep keep you know riding disney over and over again but they pick people that they want to work with that are great to work with and not just talented over and over and over again we see that with ewan mcgregor for example which we will get back to you know um and, and all the way down to sir Sircar and uh taylor gray and i'm I, sorry i'm gonna go on about everybody so keep uh- going about sabine
1: so, what I was going to say is... Like oh, sorry. I said, Who
0: is in my favorite Forces of Destiny episode with Jenner so Oh, yes!
1: What? What I was going to say is, in my opinion, I think of all the Rebel crew, this made her career because the other ones were known. Everybody knows Freddie Prinze Jr. Steve Stanton is well-known in the voice acting community. Vanessa Marshall has a name. Uh, Tyler is fairly new, but I think this really made... The Sabine voice actress, I can't really pronounce her name, Tia because, because of how much trust and...
0: Just call her Tia. How,
1: how much trust David Filoni put into her and oh, yeah. the presence that she has had in the fan community. At least that was the biggest I
0: disappointment. My, my biggest disappointment of the series is not a criticism, because I love how they handled her from beginning to end, is now we're really probably never going to hear the full Sabine story. And how she ended up fighting for the Rebellion alongside Ahsoka um, in various ways, I assume on special missions during the whole time, but sometimes you want people wanting more and I feel like Ezra and Kanan's and, and Hera's story, I feel like everybody's story was wrapped up perfectly, but I want more Sabine and more Ahsoka and I think the fact that they did that was purposeful and whether they explored not, not more in the future, God bless them.
1: Oh, speaking of Sabine, how awesome does Sabine' new, new, new outfit look and her new hairstyle? Everything's really like
0: better. It. Her new outfit's better. Her, when she's back to her normal brown hair, it, she just seems more normal. But, but but it was really the speaking performance. You know, There was no whining this. There was no complaining. Like, she was, you know... I mean, they, look, they specifically pushed Ezra and Sabine forward in the final season, and that had some ups and downs. I thought there wasn't nearly enough... You know, I mean, they tried to cover it up, um not cover it up, but they tried to compensate for it with the love story, but I still think the best part of Rebels for me, other than Sabine being awesome and, and the occasional Ahsoka, is the Kanan, Ezra, Padawan master story because it's the best pedawan master story we've had in my opinion by far in any star wars property because we've had so much time with them and it's so subtle and it's so sweet and it's so believable that was my biggest disappointment with the final season but i, I agreed with the decision to push ezra and sabine forward this is still a kid's show and I, when i hear adults criticize the show for adult reasons if that makes sense as, a, as, a, as opposed to, like, pure storytelling reasons. Like, if you have pure storytelling criticisms, like, by all means, I, th- there's a lot of Rebels episodes which aren't amazing, but to criticize it because it doesn't feel adult enough or complicated enough, like, this is a kid's show that we adults are lucky enough to be able to enjoy, and, and I wish, you know, grown-ups realized it. On the other hand, I think kids totally get it, and that, to me, is the coolest part of all of this.
1: So, speaking of adult. And I have to say this, but after the episode ended, we were talking in the ladies group, and with Jaden, we're like, "Okay, ladies, start the fanfic of that night that he was conceived, because you know it's <laughs> going to happen, and it is coming." I'm looking forward to reading it, but.
0: Oh, you think like Twilight kind of stuff? No, or, uh, no, n- not no, Twilight. No, like Fifty no, Shades I, of Grey. You
1: know, no, see that It would actually be good. <laughs>
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm, look, I'm someone who likes and appreciates Lost Stars, but. It's that book is borderline exploitative a little bit, I think.
1: I really liked it, but
0: I liked it too, but you know anytime you're selling a book based on sex and romance, you know I mean I guess it's always about manipulating the audience. That's fine. Hey look, I would welcome it too. I probably wouldn't read it because I don't need to know, but I would be thrilled. I mean the fan fiction's already out there. It's been out there for five years or whatever I right mean, but
1: I mean that particular night.
0: I mean, but, it, but anyway, you know, yeah know anyway. I was, was going to say I was gonna say, you know we're so juvenile in in the fact that adults have taken up the juvenile uh child- childlike um need to ship people, we've even given it a name now shipping, right. Didn't even have a name a few years ago. It's like something kids did with their, their little fortune things or whatever, you know, getting people together. And now we're, we're doing it as well. But like, you definitely did not need to ship Aaron Kanan. It was clear. I mean, she used to call him, what did she call him in the, love in the first season? And then they dropped that. Like. But this is fine. Like, as long as you saw the first season, you realize they had something going on.
1: But anyways, getting back to the episode. So to I answer,
0: like- I'm sorry. No, no. Save whatever you have to say. To answer your much earlier question when you made me laugh my ass off, they had plenty of time on that ship to get it on, to produce a, a child. Well,
1: and like what I said before, in my head, it was the night before her went off to Yavin to get the X-Wings, you know
0: god you're such a hollywood romantic Ugh. Ugh. <laughs>
1: Ugh.
0: the holy birth of, of the next oh, no, 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 no.
1: <laughs> no it's, it's, it's not the holy birth because no i know but that's such a cliche
0: it's like the one when, night yeah
1: when his says i have something to tell you we assume that it's i love you and it could it could not be that it could be that she was wanting to tell him that she was pregnant if you remember after kanan died she's like why did i wait so long to tell him or why didn't i tell him sooner or why didn't i tell him i forget but they the didn't even push idea. you that
0: hard i'm gonna push back on you i love i thought the romance was so subtle and Herod did not fight back against him when he was leveling with her and by the way by the way if y- if if you listeners out there did not realize that this is an exact mirror of Han Solo and Princess Leia in Empire Strikes Back, that you need to go watch Empire Strikes Back immediately and see that this is an exact mirror of those two people. Han Solo is more honest about his feelings. Yes, he's acting like a child, but he's more honest about his feelings than Leia, and Leia doesn't realize until he's almost dead to to admit her feelings about him, even though she's more mature in every other way than he is, is exactly like this. Am I wrong? So, yeah, so what I was saying was I, I mean, I thought that Filoni was doing a clear tribute to Han and Leia with Kanan and Hera. And I think that's a great thing and something great about Star Wars. But if you didn't think there was mirroring between the relationships where you have the man who is less mature in most ways, but is being more honest about their feelings, you know, and the other one who's leading the fu- their rebellions. I mean, Hera and Leia are literally leading the rebellions so they don't have time for this emotional stuff. You know, but they finally get a chance to acknowledge it before the end. This is a clear mirror of Han and Leia to me. And I love that. Maybe some people thought it was cliched, but like, wh- why are you watching Star Wars? Really? Watch Empire Strikes Back now. Let's see. Yeah.
1: When I look at Han and Leia's relationship, especially towards the beginning of it, it was a lot more contentious. Then her and Kanan's relationship, that's the one that I'm looking at. It's that early stage of their relationship, not eventually. I thought the kanan her relationship was a lot more warm. It seems like they were both more empathetic people and more related. Yeah. Then Han and the Leia...
0: Well, the same way that... I'm sorry, the same way the Canaan Ezra relationship was more warm, as I pointed out last time in the Jedi relationship. The whole show is more warm, but that doesn't mean that the dynamics of having the female leader of the Rebellion love a guy who's kind of a dummy, but kind of cute and kind of great, and not having time to deal with her feelings, and the guy being a little bit more honest, even though they're, you know... Dummies but sweethearts okay. I think applies in both cases Yes there's clearly okay, differences But to think mean. that there was no celebration Of the old tradition with this I think is foolish yeah,
1: now, now I definitely see the point that you were trying to make I was thinking too much about it But yeah it definitely mirrors it But with the rebels Relationship it was It was a family It was a, definitely a unique twist yes. of it And yes. That is what makes the story of Rebels so fantastic is it's Ezra's story, but this is the story of a family. And yeah, it's
0: like Firefly. If you've seen the Serenity movie after watching the Firefly series, it's a somewhat similar feeling. And, in both cases, spoiler alert, main characters or, you know, semi main characters die or almost die. And, uh, I think more should have died, but I, I, from a storytelling standpoint, but I get why they didn't um, with this being a kids show again, you know? Um, but yeah, I mean, the, the, it, it does feel more like the Firefly crew in some ways than the original Star Wars crew because they didn't really spend that much time together if you look at it.
1: I was more worried about um, Zeb, something happening to Zeb, because at the same I like, thought Zeb was going to yeah, die. He, he yeah. had a lot of um, scary moments, like, it, oh no. You know, he falls over, you're like, oh no, when he went after Rook, I thought maybe that was going to be his moment. It's like everybody yep. else I wasn't too worried about, except maybe No, Nope, Ezra. they just killed
0: another clone. They killed another clone after all these years. They killed so many clones in the Clone Wars. And then the new Rebels, they killed nobody. And then who's like the major death? It's the
1: clone. Well, Gregory has um, some <laughs> history, and he it's not, it's not like he's nobody. But um, No, I'm not saying
0: to nobody. I love the clones after the Clone Wars. They were the coolest part after Ahsoka.
1: Speaking of clones, how about that confirmation that Captain Rex officially fought in the Battle of Endor okay. Endor?
0: Okay. Okay. We're in real we gotta we gotta enter real territory here for a sec, okay? Alright, go for it. They briefly tried to say that the bearded old dude on Endor was Rex. Okay. That man is not New Zealander, a Kiwi a native of New Zealand he, Nothing That was the dumbest thing I don't know why they felt they had to say this I am hoping that now Rex survived Endor on his own With his own identity And not some white dude Who looks vaguely New Zealander and Return of the Jedi for like a second
1: Well all it was was a confirmation that he fought in the war. It wasn't a confirmation that the picture that you see floating around of the old man in Return of the Jedi is him. or is it a confirmation. So where did
0: that come from?
1: What? The, the idea that he fought in the Clone Wars?
0: No, that photo. Why did everyone hone in on that photo?
1: Because it looked like Captain Rex with the facial hair. And, and, and because Captain Rex was wearing a similar outfit in season three or four. So they're like, mm-hmm. okay, this is the same thing. But, see, his outfit was, it, it inspired the costume of one of the clone characters, and that's when the fan community being like, okay, they're one and the same. But it, it's still left to, it's still left open for interpretation if they're one and the same. It, but I just thought it was awesome that there was a lot of, fan theories floating around about it being the same guy, and we got confirmation that, yes, Rex did fight in the battle of Endor, but no, it doesn't mean it that that old man and Rex are one in the same. It could be, and they could recon it, but it doesn't mean that they were.
0: Can I ask you a, a, a series of some difficult questions here? Go for it. Do you think Dave Filoni, on his own, if he had his choice, would have done the five-minute epilogue of what happened to everyone from the end of the series to the end of the original trilogy or do you think that was somewhat told to him by disney uh lucasfilm that he should probably do nothing it's a bad decision but would that have been his first call do you think
1: i think he did it okay so in a panel he said at that He wanted to tie it up the same way that the original trilogy was because everybody has this obsession with a dark ending. And the way that it ended before that wrap-up was nice, but it wasn't that full. And he wanted to put a bow on it. So it it was his direction, not the story group, of the way that it ended. So I think it was his. It was his decision, 100%.
0: All right, well, let me follow from that question, a question I was not thinking I would ask you. Do you think he asked for George Lucas's I- informal personal blessing on how this all ended?
1: No. I, I, I don't think that, oh, well, maybe, maybe behind the scenes, they might, I, I don't know. Behind the
0: scenes, behind totally one-on-one, right, right, on right. One, just you're, to- we're theorizing based on no evidence. Right,
1: because we would not know if they have conversation. I still no. think they... no,
0: no, no, no. no. I'm, I'm not talking about any they, rumors or non rumors. I'm no, saying your no, personal I'm, opinion.
1: Right. Yeah. I, I'm saying that I still think that they probably talk to this day because David respects the heck out of George. And yeah. he you know, I don't want to say he's his hero, but he says master, so I still think that they talk to this day, even though you probably the Padawan. even though you he
0: is the Padawan to George Lucas. He's the one.
1: Even though you probably will not hear about it publicly, yeah, I'm sure he talked to George.
0: I mean, George hand-plucked him after Avatar: The Last Airbender to be the head of the animation division, and he's now done it for literally, let me say, going on 12 years now from the time he was first hired.
1: Was he hired in he, 2004, he- or 2005?
0: The Clone Wars, I believe, started in either 2007 or 2008. No, 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 hired, being- hired. Uh, no, uh, I know. I'm working backwards. Okay. And so I believe it was being worked on two years before it came out, which would put him in 2005, 2006 territory.
1: Okay, because in the post-panel, he said that he had George Lucas for 10 years before he lost him, and Disney bought film in twenty. 20- 2013, 2014.
0: No, he was not on that early. I can tell you. I thought he was. I initially thought, f- for obvious reasons, that Filoni had been on as long as Pablo Hidalgo and those people had been on, that you know, since the prequels, but that's not indeed the case. The timeline shows he was hired sometime during the first couple seasons of Avatar The Last Airbender, which he was a creator and executive producer on, which some people say is like the best, like one of the best, you know, animated shows in, in the West. Um, uh, of the century, uh, so I don't know the exact year. I'd have to look it up, but yeah, it was actually later than I was expecting.
1: Really? Um, when
0: I first saw it, because
1: I was expecting late two thousand five. I don't know. It's been too long ago. It was so long ago.
0: No, yeah, absolutely. But, um, but,
1: anyways, yeah, I do think that they talk behind closed doors. I I wouldn't be surprised to hear that they do.
0: Well, that, that's the thing he has over the directors. Is just like. JJ might want approval, Ryan might want approval, Ron Howard probably has approval just because him and Lucas have been friends for like 40, 50 years, Um, but in general, you know, they all want approval of Lucas, uh, whether they get it or not, but like Filoni works very closely under Lucas for a bunch of years and Disney did not bat an eyelash in keeping Filoni as the head of the animated division, and now he has even more responsibility than before. I personally think... We don't have to go fully into the future here, because I still want to talk about these episodes, but just to tease it, I think they're developing multiple animated projects right now. I don't know if they're all going to come out at the same time, but knowing Disney's ambition and knowing Filoni's ambition and Brilliant Mind, I would not be shocked if they're working on a kid-friendly and slightly more adult-friendly animated series um, now. And I think these last few episodes really represented that. They did kill... They straight up killed more stormtroopers than normal. Like, they definitely let there be more killing in these final episodes. It was still a little... um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Safe. It was still a little airbrushed for the kiddies. but I'm fine with that because we've so much murder and violence in our country that you know I I wanted to have consequences and so I appreciate that they're restrained about it.
1: I don't think that is a prediction. I can say that's for certain because they are working on the season two of Forces of Destiny, so and you know that they're working on another season one. Season three. So she's,
0: Technically season three. Yeah.
1: Well I thought it was season one A and season one B.
0: Yeah, 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 they call it, they call it the first, right, right, it's the first but, 20 minutes and the second 20 minutes. But,
1: but anyways, uh, the the next process of Destiny, and you know that they're working on one, so yeah, I, I'm sure that is uh, a certain. Oh, but,
0: oh, do, do you mind if this is our main sidebar for this podcast? Because I haven't had the chance to talk about this with anybody. Go for it. Force of Destiny is incredibly underrated and disrespected for all of the wrong reasons, in my opinion. Thoughts? Oh,
1: I agree 100%. I am so glad to have it, especially as a woman. I am so glad that I can enjoy it now as an adult, even though I wish I had it growing up. I try to support it as much as I can. I buy the figures because... I want the brand to succeed. I love what it does for little girls, what it gives to the fan community and the corner of the fandom that it covers because Star Wars is for everybody. It's not just for a set group of people and Forces of Destiny expands it. If somebody says, I don't like Forces of Destiny, that's fine, Forces of Destiny is not for you. And that's okay.
0: Can I tell you one of my highlights of the past year involving this?
1: Uh, Jen Urso sipping Ezra.
0: No, um, no, Pat? no, 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 no. This is more serious, like personal kind of thing. Um, or just cute, but but real, not you know, just in my head. Um, um, Jen
1: Urso. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I had a Jen Urso dream recently. Not like what you'd think, just like a hanging out dream, but. It takes a lot. I, I have very vivid dreams. So I have lots of fictional and non-fictional people appear in my dreams because I just have vivid dreams. It's just a thing I, that I experience. It's hard to explain. Uh, but it was weird.
1: Well, um, I dream about Star especially Wars. Especially because
0: I have a poster hanging above my bed, and I woke up, and I was like,
1: fuck. Well, I dream about <laughs> Star Wars Destiny, so you're, you're not going to...
0: <laughs> yeah, well, that's yeah, that's something actually productive. But anyways... <laughs> So I have a niece. Um, so my sister married to a guy, Jordan. They have twins, as you know, who I adore. And then Jordan has a brother. His wife has a daughter, Avery, who's adorable. She's like five or six. My twins are like, uh, my nephews are like two years old. She's the perfect older cousin to them. But she grew up princesses and and crowns and Frozen and Pocahontas. And you know what I mean? And like that was her whole thing. And I saw her a few months ago at a family event, and she was wearing one of the Forces of Destiny shirt with like all of the females. Uh, Ahsoka wasn't in it for some reason, but Jin was in it. I was like, you know, I mean, I knew Ray and Leia were going to be in it, but Jin was in it. Actually, maybe Ahsoka was in it. Uh, it, it was like a bunch of the women, and 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 then i heard that that she loved star wars even though they didn't let her watch much and when they went to disney world they would go on all the star wars rides and her and her daddy loved star wars and it's just like it warmed my heart so much and to hear people so cynical about the marketing campaign around it and just trying to sell toys I mean of all marketing campaigns and toy campaigns to be mad at this one is just insane especially with the quality of the animation but that's just me
1: I agree 100% like I said I love why it is here I love what it is doing I love the corner of consumerism if you will that it or social structure if you will that The brand covers and approaches, and like I said before, Star Wars is for everybody, so why shouldn't a brand like Forces of Destiny or sub-brand, if you will, not exist? It it doesn't make any sense, because Star Wars is for everybody, including five-year-old girls.
0: Yeah, yeah, but she's like really into it, and I'm just fascinated to watch when she hits six seven or whatever age they deem appropriate they're pretty loose so it's probably more like five Oh, just wait she'll get to see ray in episode seven oh. i i just can't imagine
1: oh just wait she'll be starting shipping people before you know it if she isn't already
0: <laughs> hey i i ship people all the time uh but uh i, I you know i i okay so speaking l- for the moment let's yeah no go ahead
1: speaking of shipping people what did you think about the conclusion with zeb and callus
0: okay so i was hoping for tons of callus this season we got nothing but well, you got david yellow is an extremely busy man and so i do not hold it against him whatsoever um you know but the ending between the bromance being fulfilled at the end was great i mean they could be a gay couple for all we know honestly like it wasn't it wasn't out of, and i'm not just saying that like it wasn't out of the uh spectrum of possibility that it became romantic i'm not saying it did uh, but i'm not saying it didn't
1: well he so um, brought Callish home to meet his family
0: yeah <laughs> but I mean that's pretty sweet, yeah and he's had his arms around them, yeah, I think they definitely <laughs> look, I told you that that's my favorite episode the, fir- the, the 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 that callous Zeb episode where they're stranded on the planet and they're trying not to talk to each other and they can't help themselves, that is my favorite episode, but anyway
1: he... but anyways, if you look at the development between them, especially where they came from in that first confrontation that was so hostile and yeah. violent. And full of hate to the point where Zeb's like, you know, I forgive you, and you're carrying around this burden of thinking that you wiped out a civilization. I'm gonna show you that no, you didn't. We we survived, and we forgive you. Is it, it's beautiful to see that arc, especially where Callus, where Callus came from as a hardened imperialist that. I don't know. I think it's one of those arc that don't get focused on much with the conclusion. But yeah, Callis is definitely a standout when it comes to the characters that came from rebels that part of the Ghost Crew.
0: No, yeah. I I mean, again, I think any any flaws in season four were covered over and sold through performance, were sold through past performance. I mean, it, it, let's put it this way. People might feel different ways about the crew on The Ghost, the same way like with Firefly. People have their favorites, you know, and some people like other people. Some people understand that Inara was more than a prostitute. Some people don't understand how that made it onto television. I mean, you know, there's lots of opinions going on, but the bottom line is everyone identifies and relates to and cares about the crew from top to bottom. There wasn't a character that didn't do that. And by the way, Steve Blum, who does Zeb's voice, he's a legendary voice actor, but he had become so, I hate to use the word promiscuous because it has a sexual connotation, obviously, but you know, he had become so prominent as a voice actor that he almost became a cliche. And rebels, you said Tia Sarkar, I think Steve Blum benefited the most from Rebels, to be honest with you, and I think it's because he needed a new challenge, he needed a new identity that wasn't video games and that wasn't anime, and that he could do his own thing on, and to me, he was able to accomplish that on Rebels. And I said my one regret about only four seasons of, or three and a half seasons of Rebels essentially, uh, was Sabine, but it's also Zeb. And while it was totally fitting how it ended, and I predicted with numerous people that this was exactly how his story, I mean, look. I predicted, like, story-wise, I predicted how all of this was going to end. But I am not the only one. It was it was pretty predictable if you were following and you were being objective about what was going to happen. Kanan was going to die. Ezra was going to disappear. Sabine was going to maintain a leadership role of some sort. Harrow, we knew, was going to the rebellion. We knew Chopper survived. Zeb was the one we didn't know about. I predicted that he was going to go back to his, his uh, secret home. That's what happened. But it was still very affecting when it happened. And so, you know... I I think that's, again, when we see, okay, the ultimate spoiler, older, elder Ahsoka in the robes at the very end, yes, it makes us all want to cry with both happiness and sadness, but, you know, we kind of could see it coming, but for it to happen, describe that experience. Like, even if you thought, and I don't know what you thought, but even if you, well, I kind of know what you thought. But even if you thought that Ahsoka was going to make an appearance like that, uh, briefly but very meaningfully, at the end when you actually see it, what is that experience like for you?
1: It was amazing seeing her come up on the scene, and obviously the first thought that came, popped in my mind was, "She's Ahsoka the White," like literally she. Faced the Balrog with Vader, she went to I don't know the technical time in the Lord of the Rings with the world between worlds, and she came back and she was reborn. I guess, I guess, and is that mystical figure? It, it looks like, and I think she will have that presence going forward in Star Wars.
0: So, Filoni has always talked about his Lord of the Rings influences, but. On Twitter and interviews and elsewhere in recent days and weeks, he has talked about it even more. I know you are not a huge Lord of the Rings person. You know I am. And I've been preaching that this is one of the reasons I love Filoni so much. Um, but I honestly, it it wasn't that in my face, to be honest with you, in these final episodes I mean, they called the second-to-last episode a fool's hope, which is what Gandalf says to Pippin in Return of the King. When Pippin, the most hopeful hobbit, dumbass, he's such a dumbass, but he's so sweet and hopeful, says, you know, was there ever hope? And Gandalf says, only a fool's hope. You know, that's what they call it. And I I, I love the tribute, but I, I still felt like this was pretty distinct. Even as a Lord of the Rings fan, who's pointing out that Dave Filoni's a Lord of the Rings fan, I thought they kept the Rebels' tone very Uh, devotional to the material and not going too far into the realm of celebrating other materials, if that makes sense.
1: I agree. I thought it was a nice blend and a nice touch. It wasn't too heavy handed. It was a nice nod, if you will, to Lord of the Rings while keeping it iconically Star Wars. But to touch upon your earlier points before about Steve Statton, I think while it was a career-defining moment for him. I think maybe perhaps it was more of a career resurgence for him, where with Tia, it was more her defining role.
0: Yeah, I, I mean, it, you know, I, I think... Look, something that you and I will have to just accept as we go forward is that you know way more about Star Wars lore than I do but i probably follow these celebrities closer than i probably should and so i am telling you tia sirkar is was a rising star already because of her talents her beauty her personality her skills and everything Already, this certainly helped, but I don't think that her current success and her future, I think, even bigger success will hinge on Rebels. But I think it will inform her personality and her love of fans and her embrace of fans and the fans' embrace of her. I think will be an amazing, amazing tool for her going forward as she gets. I think, more and more famous deservedly for her skills, but again, it's hard to know. And I think the fact that actors of all ages and backgrounds are having such meaningful experiences doing voice work, uh, even for Star Wars, um, is is just a great experience they can have regardless of what happens in their acting career.
1: But anyway back on Steve Tatton. Talk about a man that has a really nice voice. No, not I really Stephen like his Stanton.
0: Steven Stanton is another great voice actor that doesn't work for Star Wars. Talking about Steve Bloom, who does... Uh, Steve Bloom. Okay,
1: yeah. so I yeah. should probably correct myself here. When I was talking about Steve Sorry, Tatton, I'm trying not to be too much podcast, of a nitpicker. I was talking about Steve Bloom, not yes. Steve Stanton. but yep. Steve Bloom. Yeah, Steve Bloom has a really nice voice.
0: A lot, A lot of the great voice actors in the industry have amazing voices. The problem is... When you have someone like Jennifer Hale, who does the female uh, Shepard character from the Mass Effect games, which are like the best video games story-wise ever, and her voice performance is like legendary, everyone wants Jennifer Hale to do the Jennifer Hale voice. You've got Ashley Birch, who's doing the Horizon Zero Dawn voice for Aloy. Now everyone wants her to do the Aloy voice. And so these voice actors, like regular actors, get typecast to do certain voices Unlike um, Jim I'm blanking on his name, Jim Cummings who plays Hondo, who I want to get back to but go ahead
1: Speaking of voice acting, did you catch who did the voice of Chopper
0: in the credits? I've always said it was Filoni, but I don't know, I didn't catch it
1: I think official, unofficially it was kind of known, but officially it was confirmed in the credits that yes, it was David Filoni Yeah, I said,
0: I said all this God damn it <laughs> I have to tell you, predicting things going right is not nearly as satisfying as you think it's going to be. You can put it on tape and put it on the internet and have hundreds or thousands of people listen to it, and it's still unsatisfying. I'm predicting Black Panther for three years, predicting all this stuff, but you know what? You have to be satisfied in people liking the predictions that you make that are good. That's what I realized. I'm so happy I that Black Panther is doing well that I'm not doing any, oh, I totally called it the Bizzle Black Panther special because I'm just thrilled that people are enjoying it even more than I expected. Uh, but sorry, go ahead.
1: I think you definitely need to get into the stock
0: market. <laughs> yeah, no, 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 no. No, I understand actors and writing and directors, but money. You do not want to trust me with money. No way.
1: Well, there, there, You can pretty much bet on anything in Vegas if you want to go on that belt.
0: Well, uh, yeah. I mean, I can go to Evo and bet on like who's going to win Super Street Fighter Five each year or something like that. But yeah. Um, but uh, but yeah, these voice actors were amazing and you know, the fact that we can just see Ahsoka's face, we don't have to even hear from her, it's just so powerful, I mean, look, Ahsoka, yeah, Ah Ahsoka's the one that I really felt like she was alive the entire time, as I've said on the podcast, I felt like she was going to survive all the wars, which I said on the podcast, that she was doing stuff behind, you know, the scenes, this makes a perfect, perfect lead into an Obi-Wan movie with Ahsoka that takes place between the prequels and the sequels. Am I wrong?
1: But anyways, what I was going to say is, is uh, no, you, you, you are not wrong. Um, but anyways, what I was going to say is, is, is talk about wanting to see the reaction to somebody to this episode. I would love to have seen Ashley's reaction to this, because she did not know.
0: Although, if you watch that Star Wars special from a couple of years ago where he revealed what was supposed to happen to her in the Clone Wars and they weren't able to do about the Siege of Mandalore and so forth, uh, she was genuinely shocked and moved by that. And so now that I say that, I feel like for sure... Uh, Yeah, I I, I would believe it. Look, Filoni likes to play with his actors, you know, and not tell them all the information. But all that does, it's like a mom with candy that she locks away in the closet, right? It just makes you want the candy more and think about it. And so he actually gets the actors more invested by not telling them because they start to think it's as special as we do, which it is. And they start... Look, I I know I said in a, a previous podcast... Uh, you know that Star Wars fans are, are great fans you know after The Last Jedi I kind of have to s- sort uh, fan, uh, w- what I consider you know kind of true fans of Star Wars and people who are just fans of sort of the original trilogy and don't like anything else that came out after the original trilogy I just sort of sort those into two categories I think people who love you know sort of all things Star Wars um, I would say are the best fans if you're an actor I mean, Mark Hamill is a legend. And Mark Hamill has done tons of amazing things other than Star Wars, both in and out of the film industry, on theater, television, (laughs) riding motorcycles. I mean, that dude is just a boss, okay? So is Carrie Fisher, right? And look, people aren't talking about the fact that Carrie Fisher... Of the three original cast Was the one who immediately Said yes to coming back To the new movies Mark Hamill and Harrison Ford to various degrees Both had to be prodded But Carrie Fister, after all she's been through And all her issues And you know supposed objectification Blah 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 whether you agree with it or not She was the first one and, you know and she had to be like tell those guys to come back to it And I think the actors now Really appreciate Like really appreciate and let's be honest can, can we just talk about a couple here we haven't mentioned yet, Jedi Geek Girl? Go ahead. Freddie Prince Jr. and Vanessa Marshall were mom and dad of the crew. They were mom and dad of the voice acting crew and are the two biggest Star Wars nerds on the cast by far.
1: Oh, um, Sam Ridicure, Sam might be a con- but he isn't a main cast no, 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 member. No, no, no.
0: Of the main yes. Sam yes, Witwer yes. is smarter than Dame Filoni in Star Wars. He's the only one. Oh yeah. Yeah. But of the, of of the, the May main crew, yes. Freddie Prinze and Vanessa Marshall, uh, you, you hear them on trivia shows or, or on podcasts or whatever, doing Star Wars stuff, they are humongous nerds and I thought they came out in both their characters in very different ways.
1: And I think that they both have a good relationship with the fan community not that the other people don't but it seems like they have a lot of presence in the fan creation community like i don't know how many podcasts i have listened to where one of the two of them were on it they they were they were yeah Best they were fantastic ambassadors for the show and you couldn't ask for two better people for your lead role of hair and canaan
0: do you feel like their love story uh, needed explicit uh, sort of confirmation? Um, no, in the final season.
1: No, I, I, I didn't. Yeah, I, I, no, I, I think what we got was beautiful, and I think it was you. You did not have to uh, explicitly see it or see more. I thought, I thought, I thought it was beautiful.
0: I thought it was amazing. They kissed. I mean, there's adult shows where you don't see kissing. I thought that was really great, and it was a convincing kiss. Animated kissing is very hard to do. <laughs> that was that was very well done. Um, and by the way, never any real talk about either gender or race with either of them is great. They were just two people who loved each other, let's be honest. If you're a man who loves a woman of a different species that is that that's even a bigger step of a man who loves a man of the same species or a woman who loves a woman of the same species like or whatever right i mean that's kind of a big leap and the fact that star wars isn't making a giant deal out of traditional gender roles i just cannot praise enough i mean even marvel in the comic book movies like we still see traditional gender roles to a certain degree star wars just ignores them uh, in a positive way i think
1: I agree with you 100%. Um I would like to pull back a little bit and yeah, talk, sure. about th- talk about we talk about Thron and Azura and, yes, and their conclusion.
0: So can you can you this would be a good part and we'll we'll make this the final section for now because there's so much to talk about.
1: I mean, we could go on for another 3 hours. I mean, there's so much there's so much to talk about. There's so much to talk about
0: mean, and the Ahsoka speculation alone could go on for freaking forever. Um so really quickly What was your interpretation, A, of the sort of, you know, Thrawn-Ezra relationship with the Emperor thrown in at the end?
1: So, when it relates to Ezra and when it relates to the confrontation between Thrawn and Ezra, I thought it made both characters look strong. You had Ezra plan this attack on Lothar to retake Lothal and he had a good plan and then Thrawn one-ups him and then Ezra, I had a backup plan in motion and you get to, you fast forward to the end and the way that story ended, I thought made Thrawn and Ezra both, both look strong and I thought this was a great way to not take anything away from the characters because if Ezra kills Thrawn then you would have outcry for okay Thrawn was a wimpy villain or if Thrawn killed Ezra you could if that takes away from Ezra but they were kind of like in a stalemate neither one of them dies they go to God knows where and yes Ezra got Thrawn tied down but Thrawn shot Ezra obviously we know that he survives but I thought it was so beautiful because how strong it made both characters look. I, 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 people like this was, this was so much Thrawn. If you read the original Thrawn trilogy, mm. you know what Thrawn is. And but people were criticizing the portrayal of Thrawn, and I think especially in the C.H. finale, I, I really felt like Thrawn was a villain not to be messed with, and the way that the episode ended. I still feel that way. Well, the thing about it is, is the strong can outthink thank you. He's good with strategy. He's good with human beings, or humans, if you want to call them, sentinel beings. But when it comes to nature, he has a blind spot. Uh, he, he look at the Bendu. He had a problem with the Bendu. Now he has a problem with the space whales. He, he can understand man, to use that term for species. He can understand beings, but he can't understand nature. That's the way I took it. That is his blind spot.
0: Yeah, I mean, you know, he seems more subtle than your mustache-twirling villain, but he still ends up relying on lackeys, who he claims he predicted would be, you know, like, would ultimately fail him, and yet he still relies on them, whatever. Not a big deal whatsoever. Um, But I thought they left the door open here for a, basically a conglomeration of New Thrawn and Old Thrawn, right?
1: Exactly. I mean, they left the door open for a potential heir to the Empire type thing because he still has a uh, he still has his ship, you know, he's still alive. There is nothing from keeping him coming back five years after Return of the Jedi and not retelling, but having the same general concept of here to the Empire, which I know a lot of fans might be, eh, on, but it's very exciting because of the potential and the door that, that opens. And, and think about it, and think about it, if they took that route, that means that guess who might make their canon appearance? Mara Jade.
0: Okay, so let's let's go there while we're here. Do you think... Mara Jade and those other characters are now in play because of how successful they were with Thrawn overall.
1: I think that is a statement that is 100% true because I don't want to say that Thrawn was like a trial run, but I think for some kind of was. was. Yeah, he, he kind of was. He kind of was, but I think Myra Jade is so popular that personally I am a little concerned about bringing it to canon just because of how everything has developed so far in canon, but I wouldn't be surprised to see more Legend characters come over, especially with the success success of Thrawn.
0: There's so much more to talk about here, and we've got months to talk about this. We've got the Han Solo movie, which we're really excited about, but at the same time, we've got a long period before anything we know is happening, other than the end of 2019 with a J.J. Abrams movie. You know, I'd been not really predicting that Ahsoka was going to be in episode nine. I don't think she will for a number of reasons, but they certainly keep giving me reasons to both think and hope that Ahsoka is going to end up in the live action uh, movie. Um,
1: well, well think she can meet Luke, and she might even meet Ray. How exciting is that?
0: Well, I, I that's what I think. I mean, I, I don't know if you heard my show with Simi, but, like, she is the perfect mentor for Rey in Episode nine. Like, non-invasive, like, very honest, like, you know what I mean? Like, been through hell, but almost more like a... She'd be more like a Kanan than she would be, uh, you know, an Obi-Wan or a Yoda, for example. She'd be more like a comforting friend-slash-motherly figure... For, uh, for Rey, I think, is perfect. And she looks like it in her final costume. And, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I, look, look, when, when it comes to things other than Star Wars, it's fun to predict things and be right about them. But at the same time... When it comes to Star Wars, when I predict stuff, I'd, it's not that about. Be, I want to be right. I want it to happen. I want the Obi-Wan Ahsoka thing to happen. I want the Obi-Wan traveling into the past or some like alternate world to happen. You know what I mean? Um, I don't know. Is there, is there any conceivable way? I mean, you're more of a fangirl than I even am of a fanboy, I think, at this point. But is there any conceivable, realistic way, let's say, that Ahsoka ends up in the movies for Star Wars?
1: It depends how you phrase that question. Are you talking about the Saga film or are you talking about live action?
0: I'm talking about any like live action major feature films.
1: I think she definitely has a chance of being featured in a live action film. I still think that she might need a little bit more of a push, but I don't see why. It It just seems like, it's the, the the money sitting on a table. I mean, obviously, you want to look at it from a no, creative. No, that's a good question. You know what financial, no. but
0: yeah, no, that's that. That is a great point. That is a great point. L- let me ask. I'm gonna let me. You know what this this is an excellent way to end because I love talking about the you know realistic side of things, the financials, the bio- box office, the people who are seeing it, and all that sort of stuff. So let me ask you this can't they just justify it by sheer dollars and in interest to, to uh, include Ahsoka in the in the major film properties going forward just from a financial perspective?
1: I think that Ahsoka has a big enough name and is so popular in the fandom that she could carry her own film. I don't think that you have to introduce her in a saga film or a film with another character. I think you can make a standalone Ahsoka movie, and it be financially successful, especially with how many people were exposed to her through growing up with her in the Clone Wars, to young fangirls discovering her with Forces of Destiny, to the middle of the pack with Rebels, and reading the book, she definitely can carry a film. And I oh, think I didn't get
0: you to talk about Forces of Destiny. This would be a nice way to end, because I, I, I honestly... We could talk forever, and I, 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 like specifically don't want to wrap up this discussion right now because I'm so raw on a lot of these things, and I'm still processing. I gotta watch again. Um, so, and Ahsoka was a big part, actually. actually I, I talked about that. Jin is my favorite of the episodes, but really, um, my favorite episode is Ahsoka teaching Padme how to fly a, a ship and them getting into a battle. as my favorite of the um, the Forces of Destiny episode. took a little bit about the actual animations themselves, not just the campaign, and why it worked so well. Like, not just for little girls, but for little boys, too, I would say.
1: Oh, yeah. I mean, obviously, Forces of Destiny isn't just for one demographic to enjoy. I mean, anybody can enjoy it. But um, have you picked up the Forces of Destiny comics? I am not. So with the Forces of Destiny comics, you have three of them that are new stories, and then you have two of yes. them that, that expand upon stories that you see on screen. And there's one featuring Ahsoka and Padme that expand upon that, uh, that has the uh, the Jedi teaching. I think it's the one where she races to... No, no, no. It's the one where they prepare the dinner together.
0: No, okay, that's my yeah. favorite. No, no, no. That's my favorite. Sorry. Not the, I like the spaceship one, too. No, my favorite is the one where they're preparing the dinner and they find the poison. They get in the gunfight together. Because okay. that's Padme at her most Princess Leia, which I love.
1: Okay, then I highly recommend picking up The Forces of Destiny comic issue. It's a one-shot. It doesn't take too long to read. And it has like a two-part story where the first okay. part talks about Ahsoka. Uh, she's trained with the girl that betrays her and Josoka has a little bit, of, I don't want to get into it too much for the plot is there, but she has a little bit of character development and that leads to Panama inviting her to the dinner and doing her security.
0: To be honest what, what I love about Force of Destiny, the, the, the sort of the plot stuff is the, one of the least important things to me. It's just the way how natural the interactions are of all these characters, of some who have gotten a lot of time on screen and some who haven't, all operating in this world. And it's, it's actually not talking down to their audience. Like, even let's assume the audience was four or five, six-year-old girls or whatever, which obviously was much broader than that. But even if you assume that's the case, not talking down to them whatsoever with these... R- strong women relating to each other because they're not like we're strong women relating to each other. They're like, no, this is a star Wars universe. And here's two cool women having an adventure. Boom. That's all you need. Right? Well, yeah, it, I, I'm just going to go back on something I said, which was actually the Jin, uh Sabine episode, which isn't one of my favorite episodes from an artistic standpoint. I just love it because of Jin and Sabine, but um, that's an important plot, a character episode, I think, because it informs why Jin is willing to, against them being assholes, join the rebellion. I mean... The rebellion, who lied to her, manipulated her, killed her father, essentially, is still willing to join. I actually think the Sabine episode, where she learns to trust Sabine briefly um, and Sabine gives her the whole speech, is informative to both of their characters, but especially Jin, I think. I mean, is Jin Urso the, the character that was so cool when you saw her on screen, but has gotten so much support from books and comic books and cartoons and stuff like that? It's unbelievable.
1: I have to say that I love how we started this podcast on Rebels, and we have moved the conversation to Forces of Destiny, because I love Forces of Destiny, and I love Rebels, and there's just so much to enjoy right now with Star Wars.
0: I, th- I thought you were going to say, I love how we started the conversation on Star Wars Rebels, and now we're talking about Jyn so...
1: Well, I think that is kind of obvious, so I didn't want to be too obvious. I wanted to be a little kind. But don't
0: you agree? Because it's like the Ray episodes are great, but it's just like Ray's episodes through the deserts of Jakku, whatever. And Princess Leia's are great because they're hilarious and just show us exactly what Princess Leia would do in these bizarre situations. is fantastic. And it's but it's more Sabine being Sabine, it's more Hera being Hera. But Jin, with her two episodes, I feel like it really fleshes her out. Even though Felicity Jones doesn't have to do that much actual voice acting, I think it really fleshes out her character. And people who are like, "Oh, we should end the whole A Star Wars story series," I'm just like, "Look at Jin Urso." She's a character that a lot of people did not relate to or even like when they saw the movie, but they read Rebel Rising and they read Catalyst and they read the comics and they've seen the cartoons and now everyone loves Jyn right? And it's like, I, I think that's great. I, I I hope the Star Wars stories don't stop. I mean, Rebels is a Star Wars story, essentially, right? I, I mean, if you look at it.
1: From a certain point of view, Yeah. <laughs>
0: All right, but so, anyways, yeah.
1: I, I want to say that yeah. I have no point to judge because my favorite Horses the Destiny episode is a Jin Erso episode, but for a different reason, and that is because of the cute kitties. Ah.
0: Uh, why do you think she was on Lothal, by the way?
1: Just I, doing some
0: operation stuff?
1: Well, I think it was between that. There was like a three or four year gap between... Uh, when she yes. lost her, her step family and when you, she picked up. I, I think it was during that time. I think she was just trying to make ends meet and jumping from location to location, just trying to survive.
0: And let's be honest, th- part of the reason for the reshoots was because the Jin so initially... Was more of a hard and badass, uh, like almost too much, I think. And they realized they need to pull back on her and make her sweet, sweeter, have a better heart. And it worked better ultimately in the movies as a Star Wars movie. It worked better and from Felicity Jones because she's such a sweetie, and it, you know. And they've certainly stressed it in the series. You know, I mean, look, the 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 backlash side of this would be people were really upset that they were excited. For a full-on imperial campaign in Battlefront Two, and they give us the prequel novel with Eiden Versio, and everyone was excited to be completely from the, the Empire's perspective. And with literally within thirty minutes she was a rebel serving Princess Leia and so forth, which I am fine with being a rebellion person, but I can understand people are upset that, you know, it, it, we are seeming to, uh, with all of our, our main characters, but especially our female characters, it's either they're good or they're faceless evil, like Phasma, who was supposed to have dimensionality and ended up with none. And this will be my final thought, and I'll give you final, final thought for now. My final thought is... So many bad guys, male, female, old, young, and and Rebels, were more dimensional than Captain Phasma. Including the governor, you know, and and her, her end or whatever.
1: My last thought is that the conclusion of the Rebels TV show is not an end. It is a beginning to not only one story, but multiple, including... Quite possibly, the next series focusing on Jaden Shadua.
0: No, not going to happen. It's possible. It's possible, but why wouldn't you do the adventures of Luke Skywalker post-Return of the Jedi? I mean, if they don't do that, people will just be upset, I think. Because now there's no reason to hide what happened with Luke, Han, and Leia. Between episodes 6 and 7. And I know it's more fan service. And it kind of depends on what happens with Han Solo. But the Avengers of Luke Skywalker and Friends. Vo- post Endor. I don't understand why you wouldn't do it. And God bless Jade and, and their, you And know, their baby they had together. But you I still want to see Luke just... post Return of the Jedi.
1: Well if they are doing more than one. Series, why not both?
0: That's true. They could definitely do both. Um, so, yeah. but
1: but, anyways, yeah, you have Jaden, you have Sabina and Ahsoka, you have Zeb. Uh, that's three different stories right there. And yeah, Well, no, the hair is with Jaden. Well, you could do a hair thing, but you have so many different ways. And last episode, I talked about how the conclusion of Rebels was going to be each character going their own separate ways. It didn't turn out like how I thought it would, but you still got that off of the story. And I thought it was so awesome how the Rebels crew free Lothal and they stick with it, waiting for an attack that never came. They waited that entire four years and it wasn't until the Battle of Endor or whatever, they were like, they could move on. And I think that is why it took so long for them to start go looking for Ezra.
0: Do you think Ezra's alive uh, in oh, the yeah. furthest future it, that we see?
1: Because uh, Tia
0: Surkar's Twitter feed <laughs> seemed to indicate that she thought that he was and that him, well, her and Ahsoka were definitely going to find Ezra.
1: So what was he has, doing the whole time? It has been confirmed that Ezra and Thrawn does survive but that confirmation doesn't confirm to what time period, if that makes any sense. But yeah, I I think they will definitely find Ezra. When and how, I do not know. But I think we have not seen the last of Ezra for sure. And I bet you, and I and I bet you, when we do see him, he will have facial hair. Oh, I did. I did, I really like it. Why? Because it was him letting Canaan go and re embracing Caleb. Uh
0: by the way, um Malcolm McDowell, who played the enemy commander for a while during those last well not the last few episodes, but the ones with Ahsoka, um, uh called called him Caleb, which is the uh appropriate Hebrew definition um I'm sorry, pronunciation of Caleb is Caleb, uh, which I thought was pretty cool. I mean, they definitely did a great job in the show in general of, you know... uh little, like, linguistic things like that, you know what I mean? Like, that really sold that they were thinking about where these names came... Because I talked about it in one of my Rebels commentary the fact that, like, Herah and Canaan... I mean, Canaan is is another term for the land of Israel, and Ezra was one of the most beloved prophets of Israel, and, like, they, they, they're... they You know, they're thinking of these names very specifically, um, and, uh, you know, I, I, I love that they... Like in Lord of the Rings, I mean, look, literally in the Lord of the Rings movies, they had, you know, translators and linguists and shit on set to coach people about how to say stuff, you know, so that even when people were were saying Theoden instead of Theoden, for example, I mean, there's so many examples in Lord of the Rings. Um, Let me ask you, this is my final question, because you brought it up. And again, Dave Filoni definitely brought it up as a thing, um... Was the Lord of the Rings influence? I I I thought it was actually uh, less influential than some other uh, other episodes. Um, You know, he's definitely talked about how Ahsoka is like a Gandalf, um, you know, uh, kind of character that keeps coming back to life in different, you know, in different guises and so forth. Um, I don't know. I mean. What what did you think they were channeling here? Or was this just pure Star Wars? I guess would be my final question. Was this just Star Wars at its best being Star Wars?
1: This series finale of Rebels was Star Wars, in a sense, going back to its roots. From what we see now, it embraces what the original trilogy set out to do and did. And it's movies. It is a sign of hope. It is a sign of strong mythical applications. And just a piece of story that is satisfying in its conclusion. While leaving the door for more stories. I think it was. In a sense, I, I've heard a lot of fans say that this is the best Star Wars since the original trilogy. I mean, that's, from- that's, just,
0: that's just not true. The new movies have been unbelievable. If, if, I, if I had to pick between the new three movies and Star War- Rebels and Clone Wars, I would, I would gladly trade Clone Wars and Rebels for the new three movies, personally. But I'm not an animation guy, so maybe I'm not the right guy to ask in this sense.
1: But what I'm trying to say is, is that The show, especially this episode, embraces and show off and features the fundamentals that were featured in the original trilogy. Not that anything Star Wars didn't do that since then. It's just that this felt like so much in line with it, especially with how it lined up, how it lined it up so much with Return of the Jedi. Because remember what did Ezra do when he went to surrender himself he did not take his lightsaber he was not
0: yeah he left his it, lightsaber which we've seen before Yeah,
1: exactly it, it was not him going up for a fight it was going it was him going up and making that sacrifice kind of like what Luke did in a way where he resolved the issue not through violence but through the willingness to sacrifice himself in the
0: same way that Luke did yeah I mean again there, there were almost too many parallels with previous Star Wars things but you got to do it it's Star Wars I get it and that's why you know the things that affected me about it like the space whales like Ahsoka you know like the whole ending sequence wasn't because it was a surprise in the plot but just because how it was um excuse me educa- uh huh. mm. executed Dramatically executed.
1: Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. It was so beautiful. Yeah, Yeah. especially, especially, again, going back to Ezra and Thrawn, during that motion, during that moment, it's like everything slows down, and it's like you see the glass floating, and it's, it's like time slowed down, and the whales about to jump to hyperspace isn't a sudden thing. It is a slow build up. Like you see the lights going in you know, Ezra is like he's at peace with his decision. And Thron says, What do you do if he says something along the lines, What are you doing? Your your fate will be mine. And Ezra's like, Well that's the idea. And that is the lesson that he learned from Canaan. hmm Self sacrifice.
0: And by the way, I thought it w- it showed incredible restraint to not bring even like a vision or flashback of Kanan in the final episodes. Was very disciplined uh, on the part of Felloni and the team. Look, yeah, it was, it was a very disciplined series. They they really stuck to their guns. I I, I really respect it.
1: And speaking of self restraint, Ezra could have choked him. He could have forced choked Thrawn, but he didn't. He. Like I said, he didn't set off to kill Thrawn.
0: Yeah. Well, I'm the wrong guy to ask about this because I think, A, it didn't happen because it was on Disney and just because it's a Star Wars film. And B, he probably should have for the good of all the galaxy because Thrawn is a genocidal maniac. And if I had a chance to force choke Hitler, I would. Um, but for the sake of this being Star Wars rebels, you know, he couldn't have made any other choice, I don't think. Well-
1: well, see, Ezra follows in the same line of tradition that Obi-Wan does, that Luke does, that Kanan does. This is ultimately what a Jedi is supposed to be. is supposed to be a yeah. non...
0: but I think that's non- where they went wrong. I mean, the Jedi became corrupt, complacent, and assholes... And yet, exactly. they were so high and mighty that they wouldn't kill anybody. I'd rather them be truly righteous and occasionally kill some horrible genocidal killer. That's what a samurai would do, right? I'm sure, I bet you, Filoni wanted to. I bet you, Dave Filoni, in his deepest, the recesses of his mind, would have loved for Ezra to just slit. His throat at that point Because that is what a true samurai would do And that's what the Jedi are based on To a certain degree If it's it's for the greater good For a horrible, horrible villain to be killed You do it quickly and painlessly And you get it done But that's my dark mind talking And not the hopeful optimism of the Star Wars universe
1: Yeah, I don't I don't know if I necessarily agree with that When it comes to the Star Wars mythology I think that's more of a bit of a Real Boiled approach because i know that a lot of people are like that they'll probably like why don't it's just a lot logically thinking but i think when it comes to the mythology i don't think that is the way
0: look all i gotta say is obi-wan held back and qui-gon died if obi-wan had fought with the ferocity that he eventually fought with that killed or temporarily killed maul then he could have saved qui-gon he should have just killed them initially, and eventually he does kill him, but then it's too late. He should have killed Anakin. If he had killed Anakin, what that could have saved so much. But it's against the Jedi way. I understand that. I, I respect the message. Mm. I just I was kind of hoping uh, uh, that I I think I, I was semi hoping a little bit that Ezra wouldn't go to the dark side, but maybe would become a little more ruthless. Um, then... You know, than Kanan and so forth, because it seemed to be in his blood a little bit. But they definitely played it down. I mean, look, they even turned Hondo into an out and out good guy in the final episode, which was kind of against character, to be honest with you. Jim Cummings is such a brilliant voice, and Hondo is one of my favorite all time television characters, and so I am fine with it. But it was kind of against character for Hondo to just be like, oh, I love the boy. Hey, we do this. Yeah, let's do it. You know, I mean, I was like, okay, it was, it was fine. Um, so
1: you are the Lord of the Rings expert, and I was listening to a podcast. So you're going to have to correct me on this quote. But I believe, and again, I'm I'm repeating this. I'm not sure on a thing. But I believe in the Lord of the Rings. I think somebody says something to. I think it was Gandalf about how somebody should be killed, and I think the person, the other person, like, can you? He's like, some people who are living deserve to be dead, and that deserve to live, yeah. and it's like, can you give those who deserve life yes. life? If you can't, then why should you kill, kill yes. those who deserve who are living deserve death if you yes. cannot do the opposite?
0: Yes. He says that to Frodo yeah. specifically about Gollum when they're in Moria, and Frodo's yep. talking about Thank Gollum. You.
1: Thank However, you. However,
0: A, that's both foreshadowing and prophecy. He has a sense that Gollum has a purpose to serve. And, of course, if Gollum did not bite off Frodo's finger, then the Dark Lord would have won because Frodo didn't want to get rid of the ring when it came down to it. And so they needed Gollum to be alive for that to happen. So there's a lot of literary stuff going on in that particular speech. I don't actually love that speech personally. That is a movie speech. Tolkien plays around with that idea in the books. But Gollum is a much less sympathetic, sympathetic character in the books, and therefore they had to adjust some of the stuff for the movies, and so it made sense there. But as a Tolkien expert, as you call me, which I'm not, but as a semi-Tolkien expert, uh, Tolkien was a little bit more. On, he was very idealistic, but he was also on the more practical side. Um, but I did like I, I liked that line in the movies, even though it wasn't in the books.
1: On the flip side. I think if Obi Wan killed Anakin or Vader at the time, sure, you wouldn't have had Vader, but I don't think that the Emperor would have been easily toppled. I don't think.
0: Didn't he think he had killed Anakin anyway? So why not just do it? Like, he left him there with no arms and legs. Like, why not just kill him? Like, that's worse. Like I agree. Either he agree. thinks he's dead. Look, either Obi-Wan thinks he's dead and then didn't do his job right, or he thinks he's somehow alive and he's going to leave him there suffering on the shore of this lava plant. Oh, God. The end of Revenge of the Sith is just intolerable. I'm sorry. The prequels are just, Ugh, oh God. I have the high ground. Uh, There's just so much. There's so much. And yet, we wouldn't have any of it without it. And so, I think Lucas... Look, by Lucas doing the Clone Wars and the legacy of the Clone Wars leading to Rebels was a great corrective for the prequels. Because things like Mortis, which came back in the final episodes with Ahsoka and the Stargate and everything you know we're so much more like what i was expecting from lucas in the prequels that i'm thrilled i've gotten them in these various animated series and i i will defend lucas to my death even though i don't like a number of movies that he's made because i love the universe that he's made so much and rebels did a great job within that universe But people have to realize this show was still a show for kids, and you can't take everything that happened. When we talk about canon, I'm already annoyed at the canon people. You know, it's like, come on, guys. Like, there's canon, but there's also, like, mythological retellings of history, which are canon, but we don't know if they're true. You know? So, like, rebels may have happened somewhat differently. And Lucas has talked on this very topic. You know, it's from the Journal of the Wills. Like, this has all been interpretation of an ancient myth to begin with so I hope people can enjoy this as a piece of entertainment and mythology of Star Wars and not, you know, nitpick themselves to death on the plot details and the canon details of these whole things. You maybe disagree with me on this point.
1: I definitely think that people should just enjoy it instead of just nitpicking over the small things and enjoying the mythology and going back to the the, the prequels when that that's how I enjoy them I, I enjoy the story I enjoy the mythology instead of worrying about the logistics and the small thing that is how I approach my fandom and there are things that if I sit back at it they sit back and not just the prequels but other things in Star Wars and other things in other fictional properties that if I sit back and try to critique the small stuff and criticize the small stuff for, for me for me it would rob me of the experience I tr- definitely try to take my fandom from the childlike perspective and I enjoy it I was going back to the prequels I get lost in that mythology sure sure there's flaws to it but I think that is something that is lost in modern day fandom. There's nothing wrong with being critical. There's nothing wrong with being cynical. But I think it has gotten to a point where many people are robbing themselves from that experience. And especially with the Rebel C.H. finale, that is a prime example of an enjoyable experience. I mean, there are a little bit of flaws. There are people who are, I have heard talking that don't like the whole space whales, They they don't like like the oh point those that,
0: people are idiots and should get, get out
1: the, get out the the point that you made about how <laughs> Thrawn should have been c- killed it's yeah. it's not that's not a logically a bad decision it's just I enjoy the story I like the potential and stuff like that and it it's just it, isn't this what isn't that what being a fan is supposed to be about I mean oh yeah
0: yeah and look I don't think Thrawn should have been killed given the progression and the logic of star wars rebels at all i'm saying in real life someone like thrawn if you are ezra it is your moral responsibility to eliminate that person you know that's all i'm saying you
1: know you sound like my roommate
0: (laughs) (laughs) but i have some israeli in me so i can be a little ruthless on this particular point yeah I, i am extremely liberal and progressive on like every social issue but when it comes to like foreign policy i'm like look Either we kill the terrorists or we get out. Like it, you gotta, you have to take care of what you consider the bad guy, or not even get involved in the first.
1: Place. It, it's like I was watching the movies with my roommates, and they were like, "Well, why don't they just kill them?" And I'm like, "That's not what a Jedi does." It's like.
0: But what are they going to do with them? It's like when you watch the CW shows like Arrow and The Flash. Like, they just put them in a cage where they can't talk to people for the rest of their lives. Like, yeah, "Yeah, we're being humane. Like,
1: oh, come on. Yeah, because that works so well for Batman, doesn't it?
0: See, I'd rather die. If I was a supervillain, just kill me is the more humane thing to do. See,
1: see, putting them into a cage works so well for Batman, doesn't it?
0: It does work well for Batman, Yes. (laughs) It does. It always works. They never escape. There's never a problem. <laughs> Arkham Asylum. You just put any villain in Arkham Asylum and they they will be there for life. No problems. They work in the library. They watch, you know, Desperate Housewives at lunch, you know, like that's that's their life and they're they're happy there. That's where yeah. they stay. <laughs> Oh, don't get me started on Batman. The worst superhero. Ugh. Okay, so this was good. Uh, this actually really cheered me up because I was kind of depressed after the whole thing. I have to lie. I'm not going to lie. I did not want that to end.
1: Well, I have to say that after watching it, I had a good headache. I had to go to bed after I had to take care of some business. Yeah, I was it was such an emotion because... Not only did I watch the series finale, those three episodes, but I also watched the World Between Worlds episode. So riding that roller coaster with emotions and thinking and trying to take everything in, I had a major migraine. And I had a little bit of a migraine earlier, too, because the episode and the series, and this is perfect to wrap up a podcast, is so loaded. It is so filled of mythology, of moral lessons, of rich characters, of emotional high and lows and humor that I, 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 the ending is, is perfect and I, well, I wish that there was a bit more before the conclusion, I am, I'm satisfied and I don't need any more material from this universe, from the Rebels crew. I mean, obviously they will come back but let let the story breathe let it germinate you know what I'm saying don't go spitting out material because I feel like you lose something so I would be okay if we don't get anything from this side of the story for a year or two just let it sit and soak and
0: mm. Um, just really quickly, you know the uh, I don't know if you heard the art the art design the head of the entire artistic art side of things of Blade Runner twenty uh, forty nine, uh, which was a pretty good movie had some problems but the art design was incredible. Um, was hired by JJ to do art design in episode nine, and what they could do with the real life Ahsoka would be just spectacular, and I think. I honestly don't think there is any new character, new character, not Luke, Han, and Leia, new character, even Rey, who has more like real fans than Ahsoka. I don't think. And if that's the case, they have to be thinking about putting her in the movie, especially because they've now established the timeline for this to be possible. I mean, they have literally set up the progression of events and happenings, right, for this to be possible.
1: Oh yeah, without a doubt. I think personally though I would rather have a standalone movie over her nine. That not that I would be obj- not that I would object to her being in nine. I would just like to see her in her own film. Like I said, I think that she can carry a film and I would love to see her being given a chance to do so because I think that there is no if done well, there's no failure in it.
0: We will see, but Rosario Dawson, goddamn, perfect casting. She wants to do it. She's already a Marvel hero. Make it happen, Disney. I know there's other fan castings out there, and I love Ashley Eckstein. Goddamn, did Ahsoka sound even more mature and older in the most recent episode that we saw her speak but Rosario is the perfect casting for the old, uh, uh, you know, I mean, Rosario's not that old, obviously, but she could play a slightly older Ahsoka. Um, and by the way, Ahsoka species does live longer than humans. And so I like that they portrayed her as el- older, but not elderly. You know, I thought that was really cool. It, um,
1: it seems like in Star Wars, basically every species live longer than humans. It seems oh, yeah. like
0: yeah, that's a Star Trek thing, too. And if if it's the op, like, in Star Trek, if a species lives less long than humans, they make an entire episode out of it, so. Because, <laughs> um, yeah, that's a Tolkien thing, though. Elves li- live way longer than humans, dwarves live longer than humans, hobbits live longer than humans, literally every race on, in Middle Earth lives longer than humans, which is why it's unclear that the humans are taking over in the Fourth Age. Okay, we're getting into super nerdy territory here. Thank you, Jedi Geek Girl. We'll have much more to talk about on this subject. It was great to talk to you after I got to see this. And, um, yeah, I mean, I think it speaks for itself. You know, I don't think this is the best we are going to see from Filoni. And I think that's an awesome thing.
1: Thank you again so much for having me on, Bizzle. If people would like to check out, if people would like to find me, they can find me at Twitter at Jedi Geek Girl. I talk about Star Wars all the time as well as talk about my own podcast I Rebel a Star Wars Destiny podcast. So feel free to follow my Twitter account at Jedi Geek Girl and if you want to send me in an email at I Rebel Destiny at gmail.com
0: Yeah people, definitely check all that out and take her up on that. Jedi Geek Girl, thank you audience. Thank you Um, I think our next podcast will be Han Solo related. Definitely one after. I guess if the hype really picks up or there continue to be controversies or many controversies, maybe we'll do one before, but definitely after Han Solo. I think I would love to have you back on.
1: Oh, I think we will have one before then. For sure.
0: Awesome. Well... Um, I look forward to rewatching these episodes. I've already, uh, when I was uh, waiting for some stuff earlier, I was actually started to rewatch the Mortis arc in season three of Clone Wars. So I am definitely going to rewatch those three or four episodes because they nailed it. I forgot, by the way, how much the Sun looked like the Grand Inquisitor. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that's a, co- a coincidence uh, with the red teardrop in his eye. Um, but we'll have plenty more to talk about. So thank you, everybody. Thank you so much for supporting the podcast. My downloads have been really up the last couple months, and so thank you again all, and we will be talking to you soon, and the Bizzlecast is out.